Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. And for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off your $50 purchase on their website and on their app. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 or more purchase for all of your parties and events and have it delivered straight to your door. That's TotalBev.com or download the Total Beverage app. Now let's jump into the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am your host, Jesse Montano. Just me again here today. Uh, I just know how much you guys <clears throat> love when it's just me. So we just keep coming back for more. No, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, AJ and Dater had some other um, uh, obligations for today. So I figured I would just keep... Uh, <coughs> keep doing what we've been doing. You guys want your uh, your abs coverage still, so we are going to keep bringing it to you. Uh, so this is going to be a show where we're going to discuss a little bit of of last night's game. Joe Sackick also did a little bit of an impromptu. I don't necessarily know if I want to call it a full on press conference. Uh, but he met with the media, had a few things to say. He talked with Jared Bednar last night. Again, uh, he had he had a couple of things to say, more so than just the standard. Um, uh, well, you know, it uh, it went well, this. We didn't have that. We didn't try this. I liked this. You know, they they had there there was a little bit of insight as. Uh, you you got to do something. You you're at the point of the year where where you've got to make up your your mind about who you are, and I I actually wish I wouldn't have said you got to do something. Let's circle back to that. And the statement of you have to do something. Let's just talk about last night's game. So Colorado's in it for a while. They're they're getting some some pretty decent goaltending in in my opinion. Which sucks to <laughs> that you're saying. I, you know, I thought it was decent goaltending in a three to three game. I thought about that at one point last night when it got to five. I sat back and I was like, "Wow, that sucks." You know, Grubauer's played pretty well, and they're going to lose. And I looked up at the scoreboard, and it's like, "Holy smokes, are our standards that low for what is considered a, a good goaltending outing uh, for the Avs right now?" That. That again, what what seemed like a pretty solid, 
and I say solid loosely, uh, uh, you know, Philip Grubauer gave up the breakaway. He gave up a, uh, uh, you know, uh, not a breakaway. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to read at the same time as I'm talking to you guys, so you you, you can tell how broken my <laughs> focus gets. But you know, he gave up the the wraparound to start the game, and then he did give up the breakaway goal to Cam At- Atkinson, and again. It's just too many goals, regardless of how they're getting by you, whether it is on a cheapy wraparound, a seeing-eye shot. Uh, you know, there, there's some there's some goals that, that you've seen here over the last stretch that are just bad luck, but every team has bad luck goals. You can't be giving up four and five goals every single night. You just can't do it. Especially these last two games coming out of the break, the Avs haven't controlled the the pace of play and and really dominated the way that we saw them do a few times here over the last you know six seven weeks at this. It's not a skid. It's not you know it's not a slump anymore. Maybe it's just the world's biggest slump. Um, but you know you you. When you're out playing your opponent every night and you're just trying to make up for the goaltending, on some nights you will. You know, we've we've seen the Avs. Some of their last couple wins have been the you know the big blowout over the Rangers or over the Kings. So when you're getting that kind of offense and you're getting that kind of production, you can kind of go with the Dallas Stars model from a couple years ago, where it's we are just going to outscore you. But when you're when you're not playing. Well, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. You know, the Avs have a lot going against them right now. It's bad goaltending. It's bad luck. It's it's squeezing the stick and you're making mistakes. It's There's a lot of little things that are going into it, and that's what I think has been so frustrating about this team recently is you're watching them, they're playing well and they don't get the goaltending or their goaltender is playing all right and you get a bad bounce against you or, you know, the the Cam Atkinson just because of the way that he made the line change and, and all the, you know, everything that happened, it's a great save at one end. Suddenly, Cam Atkinson is wide open because because he changed late, because the guy from Columbus fell down and was behind the play. And so, you know, you, you the Avs can't seem to have everything go right for them. You know, last night you were getting some decent goaltending out of Grubauer, and, and, you know, the bad luck bug kind of strikes. And at the same time, you, you don't, you're not getting the same offensive pressure on the nights. You're getting the offensive pressure and some good breaks. You're not getting the goaltending. And so it's just, it's been incredibly frustrating to watch as I'm sure you guys all know. And I, you know, I apologize, bear with me here on, on this show. I'm trying to think of a different way to talk about what we've been seeing. Cause it's been pretty much the same story every single night. Now, obviously of note, last night, Jared Bednar challenges uh, 
wow, it was a close call. And I actually said when he challenged, I said, you know, I don't like this offside challenge because of how long the Avs coaching staff had to look at it before they decided that that was what they wanted to do, was that they wanted to, to uh, you know, to, to make a challenge on, on the play. And the reason I don't like that is because foreign offsides, man, you've got to be really, really sure. Because it's not like with goaltender interference where it's, hey, let's throw a Hail Mary here and see if we can get them to call it back. Worst case is we lose our timeout. This is a situation where, okay, you're down. You're not sure if you can win the the overturn, but you think it was pretty close and you think it, it could go your way. Well, if you're wrong, you have exactly what happened last night. Because they changed the rule on, on offsides challenges, you are no longer punished by losing your timeout. It is a penalty, and in a team in the abs situation playing as a team in Columbus's situation who had lost five straight, who were looking for anything to get back going, you're putting yourself in a situation where it's a where it's it's now okay, we're down and we're gonna have to play on our heels here for a minute. As where had you just let the goal stand and not use the challenge, it could have been all right, we're behind, but now we can push the play forward. Let me interrupt really fast and say, I'm not criticizing Jared Bednar for doing it. It's funny because he gets criticized a lot for nev- for not doing anything and always playing it safe. And last night he rolls the dice and, and gets burned a little bit because obviously the goal stands extremely questionable. I'm going to circle back to that. And then the Avs give a goal on, on the uh, penalty kill or, or the power play. And... Suddenly, once again, you're you have a multi-goal deficit within the span of two minutes, game clock, obviously, which is something that we saw when they went on that the the Canadian road trip. In every single game, they gave up two goals in less than two minutes in every single game, and it's a problem that this team has had for several years now where they've really struggled to bounce back after giving up a goal or refocusing, being able to go on the attack after you have a goal. Uh, so it's it's something that this team has struggled with. And last night you just put yourself in a position that more likely than not it was, it was going to happen to you again. Now let's circle back to that, <clears throat> excuse me, that... Uh, Offside, not offside, goal that was upheld. So for those of you that haven't seen it, I don't remember who it was from Columbus. Um, I don't remember who it was. That was very, very clearly offside when the puck entered the zone. Puck was chipped up in the air. So it's hard to track on any of the replay angles that that you got. It gets kind of lost in the crowd. <clears throat> the puck clears the blue line. The player from Columbus 
was still obviously very clearly in the zone. However, where this got a little dicey, a little confusing was one of the, 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 the so let me slow down here. Three Columbus Blue Jackets players are coming on the attack. One is the player in question who was offside or who was at least at the moment offside when the puck was chipped in. There was a player who chipped the puck in and then there was an additional winger on the far side of the blue line from the player in question here. Now, I think everyone's in agreement that Columbus was offside when the puck was chipped in. Where the confusion started was, did the player in question tag up, which means did he get himself onside before any other player from Columbus entered the zone, which would mean if he tagged up before anyone else entered the zone, then the play was back to being onside. Now I'm going to pause again. I, I have since been corrected on this, but I haven't looked at the rule at myself, but I, multiple people on Twitter tell me that this is the case. I have been told from the time I was a little guy up until recently because of how many times we've had to call into question one of these offside challenges, I've always been under the impression that you must... It's basically... There is no definite edge of the blue line. The blue line is, again, this is what I've always been told. You must clear the far edge of the blue line. So that means if you are in the zone, if your team is in the zone, uh, in the attacking zone, the puck must completely clear the the far edge of the blue line, which means the edge closest to the center line for it to be considered uh, the, the puck has left the zone and everyone must come out. And vice versa. When you're going into the zone, everything is defined by the the edge closer, I guess, in this case, to the goal line. So, again, your furthest edge. And and it, it kind of rotates depending on which side of the blue line you're on. So it's not the dead center. It's it's always been, if you're in the attacking zone, it's the edge closest to the red line. If you're coming from the neutral zone, it's the edge closest to the goal line, if that makes sense. So what the player from Columbus did was just, I mean, Ever, 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 ever so slightly. I mean, if if he even got it, he grazed the inside edge of the blue line before another Blue Jacket player came in. He then, again, after just barely grazing the blue line, turned and went on the attack. He didn't fully touch up ever. And the ruling was that because the player tagged the blue line, the inside edge of the blue line, before anyone else from Columbus entered the zone, that was considered a legal tag-up, and the play was back to being onside. To me, 
I don't have any doubt that he touched the blue just because for some reason they use like the worst Samsung phones ever at the goal line. Not really, but that's how bad the camera is. Um, so it's, it's, it's really low res photos that you get screenshots that you get. And so it's, it's extremely hard to tell if the puck came, excuse me, if he even touched the blue line. My guess would be the reason it was upheld is because it wasn't conclusive. Since it was called a goal on the ice, you can't overturn it without saying definitively, no, he did not get onside. Again, I'm going to do some digging to the rule, not that I don't mention, or not that I don't... uh, uh, believe the people that, that got in my mentions and said that, yes, it is just any edge of the blue line. But if that's the case to me, that's another area where you can clean up your rule book a little bit. And you can say, we're, we're giving defined edges. There's not a gray area. There's not, <clears throat> the puck can ride the full length of the blue line and still be considered in the zone. Because think about it, the, the Tyson Berry goal from, you know, St. Louis last year uh, in game 82. That puck's coming out of the zone, but because they said that he kept a, a small piece barely touching the outside of the blue line, again, the edge closer to the center line, that that was still considered in the zone. So why is it that when a skater doesn't even really, I mean, he barely brushes the inside of the blue why is that not con- still considered in the zone? You have you have a different rule. You have different definitions of, of the same line based on whether it's the puck or a player. I just think it's weird. Uh, I, I think if you're going to make it so that the puck can stay in the zone as long as it's in the blue, then to me, in the blue is considered... In the zone, if you're on that side of the blue line, which the Columbus player in question was. Hopefully, this hasn't been extremely confusing, as it's mostly just been me talking in circles about various lines and edges of lines. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that the puck is in the zone until it clears... 100% breaks the plane of the far edge of the blue line. But the Columbus player last night had to get the outside edge of his skate steel in the first centimeter of the inside of the blue line yesterday. And that was considered a legal tag up. Just thought it was interesting. Obviously, that's not the entire reason for the Avs loss, but you factored that on top of the fact uh, that it led directly to a power play that led directly to a goal. Uh, definitely a tough one to swallow. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about the impromptu press conference of the general manager of the Colorado Avalanche, Joe Sackick. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. 
Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Segment number two here, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Jesse Montano here on an extremely cold and snowy and just overall gloomy, just gross day here in Denver. Uh, I never fully wake up on days like this. I guess I don't want to say I never fully wake up. I'm just I'm just so sluggish on days like today and sitting on the couch sounds like a better activity than just about anything on on days like this where it's just the roads are a mess no one's really driving with any kind of purpose everyone's driving very cautiously which is <clears throat> fine i guess um but you know everyone's it's just it's tough to get around. You do get anywhere and it's wet and then your shoes are wet and the bottom of your pants are wet and you're cold and you get back in the car and the car is cold and then you get home. If you went and got groceries, you got to unload the groceries in the cold and then you're dragging the snow inside and then it's wet on the carpet or on the tile or on the hardwood. And if it's on the tile or hardwood, then it's slippery and you got to be careful in your own home just so that you don't slip and fall. It's horrible. Days like today are horrible is where I'm going. Especially when you stayed up later than you want to just to watch the Avs drop another game on home ice. 5-3 to three to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, both before and after last night, Joe Sackick did meet with members of the media to... Uh, it, was, it was very impromptu, so I don't want to quite say it was a, uh, a state-of-the-organization press conference, but it was something where, uh, as someone who has been openly critical of Joe Sackick hiding from the media at times... You know, it was something where it was, hey, my team is on a skid and I need to make myself available to answer some questions. So I thought it was, you know, really good transparency from his point of view, something that is not uh, synonymous with the Avalanche. Actually, 31 Thoughts podcast we reference all the time on this show because it's such a great hockey podcast done by the Sportsnet Sportsnet, Sportsnet guys, Sportsnet crew, Sportsnet people. Uh, it's Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, do the Thirty One Thoughts podcast. Awesome podcast. Uh, but it was it was referenced on there again. Two very very well connected guys. They made a mention that Colorado is one of the 
uh, most tight-lipped teams in the NHL to work with. They're the hardest ones to get information from. So the fact that Joe Sackick was willing to step out and provide a little bit of transparency here, it was a nice departure from what we've normally seen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play the pre-game press conference. He met with a, a handful of members of the media before the game started. I'm going to go ahead and play that one. I'm not going to play the second one. It was much shorter, and really the only thing he said of note was... We'll not give up top picks and top prospects because we're going to need them. We're in a Sally Cup era, and you're going to need those players coming uh, uh, coming into your system. So, I thought it was really interesting that... And now you have to keep in mind he said the same thing before they went out and traded for Mikkel Bodker and uh, Sean Mathias. But, I mean, you still didn't really give up top, top picks or prospects for either of those, uh, either of those guys. But, uh, again, so instead of just me sitting here kind of mulling through the interview, let's just play it. And uh, we will discuss it after. Joe Sackick addressing the media before last night's game, just talking about kind of the state of where everything's at, where management's head at, is at with uh, with the recent losing skid slump. Joe Sackick. You know, um, you know, right this current. Currently, right now, I mean, uh, uh, we've been talking with teams for a better part of three, four weeks now. Um, you know, see how we can make our team better. Um, but, but what we're not doing is moving our high picks for prospects. And right now, uh, um, you know, for any player you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, they're looking at players that we're not willing to give up. So, um, but. Yeah, we got we got three weeks to go, and uh, you know we'll see where we are at that time, um, obviously. But uh, you know, there's things that uh, uh, we're going to continue to look at uh, hockey trades and uh, see how we can get better. Um, that's uh, that's what we're looking to do. So for you, there's no situation where you would move on from the Ottawa pick or your first pick. Absolutely not. No, uh, we're uh, uh, you know we're looking at the big picture here, and uh, we love what's coming. Um, you know what's going on here. You know, it's, it's a process, and we're, we're not going to be deviate for that plan. Uh, if there's a if there's a player that uh, um, you know can help us, that uh, that isn't going to include one of those or, or top prospects, then then we'll look at that. But uh, um, you know, if there's a hockey trade, a bigger trade, we'll we'll look at all those as well. But uh, um, you know, for us, it's got to make sense going forward. You talk, you, know, you just mentioned process and big picture. You talk about being patient. <coughs> um, how important is it for this team? make the playoffs it's our goal it's it's, it's very important i think uh, uh we got a group that uh you know two months ago we we're living in a real good position and uh you know, right now things things have slipped but uh um i believe in the guys in that dressing room uh that we, that we can we can write the ship and uh and i know they believe it uh, right now our confidence is a little low you just got to try and find a way, way to win some games and uh you know we went through a stretch that we're playing uh, that we're playing real good hockey and uh um, controlling <laughs> games getting chances and not being able to score and uh, you know um, you know I think we're both goaltenders that so we have two good goalies and, and both you know, lost some confidence there but uh, um, you know you get a win and, and uh, uh, we can uh, uh, we can write the ship I think uh, the one thing with our team um, uh, you know, 
play away from the puck. I think we're doing a pretty good job with the puck, but uh, defensively, we're taking too many chances, high risk play, and we're giving up too many quality chances, and and uh, we're not getting the big save. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, for us, if we could shore up that uh, uh, our defensive play or play away from the puck and be a little more committed to checking, um, you know, we can turn this thing around. If you feel that you could make a trade, obviously you're not going to give up high stuff that we get you into the playoffs. Is that something that you? If would it's something do? that we feel that, uh, um, you know, if, if it's for for the right player, that for the right price, yeah, we're definitely going to look at that and try and uh, um, you know try and help this team. I mean, we'd be trying to do that for for a few weeks now, and uh, um, but uh, you know, so right now things uh, things to be things seem to be slow, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of teams are taking a pretty patient approach. How satisfied are you that the problem is not coaching right now? Well, the sort of problems, uh, you know, it's not coaching at all. I mean, we we have good systems, and, and that I think right now, just our, our the biggest thing for me is our play away from the puck, and uh, um, uh, you know, we're generating chances, and uh, for the most part, uh, uh, like the way we played in the last maybe not last couple of games, but uh, um, we went through a stretch where we we're playing really good hockey and just not being able to win games, and uh, um, you know, we can get back to that uh, and skate and play like that, just you know, be more committed, uh, uh, you know. Without the puck, um, I think it's going to go a long way. Considering where you were like two months ago, how surprised are you what's taken place the last couple months? Well, pretty surprised. Um, I think we all, uh, uh, you know, going into December, I think coming back from uh, uh, that, that Eastern Eastern trip, and we had a favorable schedule home-wise. Uh, we we're you know, home for most of the most of the month, but uh, we weren't able to get some wins. And uh, so, but um, we still have 31 games to go. Almost half the season, so uh, we uh, we believe in this group, and I know the group the group believes themselves, and uh, you know they just got to grab a couple wins in any way they can, and uh, um, you know hope we get the confidence in that and get back to playing the way to, the way we're capable of. Do you use the priority to get a forward defense or a goaltender, or is it just the player in general? Well, I, I think uh, right now, um, you know, we like our back end, we, we like our goaltending. We just got to get them play with more confidence. Um, if we can add some scoring, uh, depth uh, depth scoring-wise, I think that would be a priority right now. Connor Timmons and uh, Kale McCarr, obviously two exciting guys. How excited are you to have these guys join you guys in the near future? We're pretty excited. Uh, I know, uh, uh, you know Connor keeps getting better, and uh, but we're, we're, we're not going to rush him in anything. Uh, when he's really ready, he'll... Uh, uh, he'll get back on the ice and play, so I'm not, I'm not sure when that's going to be. And obviously, Kale's just having a tremendous year. Um, uh, at UMass, and you know, they're number one, what, number two and or two, three two, and, yeah. uh, in the nation. And uh, so he's really elevated this year, um, taking it another level, and we're, we're extremely excited to, to get him on board. There's so much parity in the NHL now, right? It's, it's, it's hard to do these big deals, right, until maybe the last minute because every team thinks they're going to make the playoffs, maybe. And it's like, okay, right. Well, there's not a lot of teams out of it, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so that's that's the thing. So everybody's just kind of waiting to see, uh, you know, here in the next three weeks uh, uh, where the teams are going to be. I mean, if something may happen uh, sooner than later, um, you, but you just don't know. Um, that's why uh, we're always uh, we're all on the call 24/7. <laughs> just you know? curious, so when you look at what went on today with the Austin Matthews deal, and you look at Miko, I mean, do you see things like that? Does that make you kind of think and wonder about the market, or is that kind of the last thing from your mind? Well, right now we're going to deal with that in the summer, and uh, um, you know, Eco's having a tremendous year. Um, 
Austin Matthews is one of the top uh, couple players, top two, three players in, in the world. And uh, um, so we, uh, you know, there's a lot of those guys that are coming up this year that uh, um, are going to get deals. So um, I mean, he's uh, he's going to do well for himself. All right, guys, with that, let's go ahead and take a quick, our, our one last quick break here. When we come back, we will discuss what we just heard from Colorado Avalanche General Manager Joe Sackick. This is a BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we can cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Third and final segment here, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I got to remind you guys about Total Beverage. And before we jump into our next segment, I want to remind you guys about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners Look, you already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they are delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge all the way to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering you $10 off your $50 or more purchase on their website at TotalBev.com and on their app. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 or more order for all of your holiday parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Download the Total Beverage app or go to TotalBev.com. Use the promo code BSN10 for $10 off your next order of $50 or more and have it delivered today. Jesse Montano here. I know I've already told you that, but I just wanted to remind you we're here discussing... Yeah, we, we just played Joe Sackick's kind of impromptu press conference yesterday. Again, he did one before and after the game. The one after the game was, was much shorter. Just answered a few questions, kind of reiterated what he had said earlier in the evening. Uh, so we did. We just played Joe Sackick's presser. And let's unpack a little bit here. Uh, again, for those who are familiar with Joe Sackick and... Uh, his work as general manager over the last few years. To me, that press conference wasn't surprising. Um, you know, he said a lot of things that depending on... <sighs> depending on how you feel about... Well, a lot of things, really. You know, let's just say this. Depending on what kind of person you are, uh, you're either excited, not necessarily excited, but you're... Um, 
you like a lot of the things that Joe Sackick said. Uh, I think it's you know you, you again if you're a certain type of person you, you you like what he said. You you think it was all the right answers, and you think it's a lot the right decisions when you think long term. Now, if you're a very different type of person, and by the way, there is no right or wrong type of person here. Um, but if you're a different type of person, what Joe Sackick just said, you're like, come on. Uh, you know, your team is obviously, you know, they're sinking. And for a lot of years, we've seen Joe Sackick say, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. Um, it gets tough to trust the process after a while when you don't see any results. So I can totally understand why some people look at what Joe Sackick just said of, I'm not moving a top pick, I'm not moving a top prospect to to get into the playoffs. It's our goal to be into the playoffs, and we're going to do what we think makes us better. But what he said was, we're not going to do anything that doesn't, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, that doesn't make us better now and long term. Now, for me, uh, that's I think that's perfect. I think this team needs to make the playoffs this year. I think if if you don't make the playoffs this year, you're moving backwards. Uh, now, well, actually, let me rephrase that. If you get back to that same point total you are at, or right around it, and you miss. Well then, that's you, you lost to a a really good hand, but if if you take a ten or more point step backwards in the standings versus last year, then you've got some serious problems, um, and and maybe those serious problems are just in goal and it's isolated, and you can you can go about fixing just that. Um. But you, you need to at least get back to where you were yesterday. Or yesterday. Phew. Last season. You need to get back to where you were last season, in my opinion, uh, in, in order for this season not to be looked at as a complete failure. Now, there are some of you out there saying, oh, my gosh, Jesse's the biggest homer. Oh, he doesn't. he's not saying they need to get back to the playoffs. Here's what you have to remember. And... This is going to be, there's going to be multiple layers to this, so save your eye rolling. Two years ago, okay, two years ago, it was, holy smokes, the Avs just had the worst season in uh, modern NHL history. They just lost the draft lottery, and they're at the time, arguable best player openly did not want to play there anymore. And you had your number one goalie coming off major off-season surgery. Surgery. You had your backup goaltender that you were hoping you could pass the torch to uh, had himself a bad season and then was taken off your roster by an expansion team. Two years ago, you were looking at this as a, wow, this is a long turnaround. There's going to be a lot of pain ahead. Last year, they overachieved. Say what you want. 
Make the arguments you want to make. The Avs overachieved last year. Now, I don't think it was by an insane amount. I think that was a much better team than people gave credit for. And, you know, you got really good years out of Sam Girard and, and Alexander Kerfoot. Then, obviously, the immersion of Nathan McKinnon as, as an elite superstar. And Miko Rantanen, who really kind of flew under the radar last year, probably the quietest 80 points in the NHL last season. Uh, so, you know, you had a lot of guys who turned in career years. Um, you have some injury, uh, some bad injury luck down the stretch and into the playoffs, but you got there. And, and, and so for me, again, that's a bit of an overachievement. So you got to have to, you, you got to have to, I say, um, redundant much. You have to remember big picture. Anyone that follows along with our work knows that I'm a big picture kind of guy. And you've got to step back and say, all right, what is the rebuild? I always struggle with this word. Trajectory. Got it. What is that? Re, what, what is that? Trage, tra, I, I nailed it once and I got cocky. I went back for more. What road are you on here? How long is this rebuild road and what stop are you at? There are teams that uh, can skip stops by making trades, by making free agent signings. So you look at the abs and you say, all right, they. 48 points two seasons ago. And they didn't go crazy. They said, all right, we've got a top pick. We've got a valuable asset here that we're going to try to flip to jumpstart this rebuild, which means we're not going to be bringing in guys who are in their mid to late 20s. We're going to be bringing in young kids, and, and we're going to try to get this ship corrected. We're probably going to be picking pretty high again this year. Uh and again, this is all where you're at last summer. Not this past summer, the one before that. And you're saying, all right, and we'll try to get another first-round pick for Matt Duchesne, really kind of stock our cupboard. Well, you have, you know, you have some rookies play well, and you have Nathan McKinnon explode into, into superstardom. You have Miko Rantanen emerging right behind him. And that kind of internally jump-started the, the rebuild uh, uh, um, uh, a little bit, I guess is the best way to say that. You had guys buy in in the locker room and, and really rally behind something. When the reality and the fact of the matter is, you were in year one of a rebuild. The 48-point year was the year that you realized you had to tear everything down. And, and you had to start, you know, from the studs again. And so last year was year one of the rebuild. <laughs> of this rebuild. <laughs> uh, Joe Sacking, Patrick Waugh came in. I don't even know how long ago now. Seven years? Six years? I don't know. But they came in and they said, all right, give us five years. Well, what they did was they came in and their rebuild got a jump start by Nathan McKinnon and career years out of 
at the time, Gabe Laniscog and, and Paul Stasny and Matt Duchesne and Ryan O'Reilly and a, and a Vesna caliber year out of Semyon Varlamov, what, th- what, what Patrick Waugh and the front office then did, and Joe Sackick's included in that, is they said, hey, look, we made the playoffs. That's great. Won the division. We don't need to do this full rebuild. And you look at what happened. They went and added so many get-us-over-the-hump pieces. Depth guys, character guys, veteran guys, guys who had been there before. And it went totally sideways. And that culminated in the 48-point season. And now I know what you're thinking. We're 11 minutes into this segment, and you've barely mentioned the Joe Sackick presser, which you said that we were going to talk about. And we are. But my point is, to the people who listened to that and said, wow, I didn't like, he's asking us for more patience. Remember what happened after in, in 2014-2015. That was the Patrick Waugh, I'm tired of patience move. Or not, not move, but uh, direction for this team. And that was why they went out and traded away assets for Bodker and Matthias, which blew up in everyone's face, and everyone hates that they made those moves now. Um, and and the team just kept getting built to a point where it was, we're one last piece, we're one last piece, we're one last depth, we're one last this, let's go add, let's go add. Just add to the sake for the sake of adding. Shake up for the sake of shaking up. And it led to the 48-point season. What I liked about Joe Sackick's message, and what you should like about Joe Sackick's message, is, hey, we're in year two of this rebuild. Connor Timmons is finally starting to get healthy. For the time being. Knock on wood. Kale McCarr is having a monster sophomore season in the in, in Division One NCAA. He's got a nothing program ranked number two in the country. Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen have emerged as as two elite forwards in the NHL. You know, they're they're kind of the the uh, some old school people are gonna get mad at me when I say this, but you know you're you, you've got Lemieux and Yager in the fact that they can play on the same line together, they feed off each other so well. I'm not saying either one's Lemieux or Yager, but I'm saying that's the dynamic you have. You have an elite center and an elite winger that can play together. This isn't the Crosby Malkin where it's uh, well, you should be playing them both down the middle. That's their natural position. Now nah, get them together on power plays. These are two guys that can play together full time. Uh, you've got Martin Kaut, who's having a really good uh, rookie season in the AHL. You've got Pavel Francouz, who you're really excited about. By the way, you're going to have uh, what right now is shaping up as Ottawa is starting to slip ever so slightly Deeper into 31st, you're, you're likely going to have an extremely high pick there. And with the way that you're going right now, your best case scenario is, is you'll be picking around where you did last year, between 15 and 18. That's your best case scenario with the way that the team is going right now. So you're in a good spot for year two of your rebuild. The fact that you're competitive... And 
and you're honestly mostly losing games over the last six weeks because of your goaltending, I think Joe Sackick is right. And, hey, we're going to stay the course. We're, we're talking to teams. We're evaluating. We're seeing what makes sense. Um, and we want to add some scoring, some secondary scoring, but we're not going to uh, give up on the rebuild for it. How many times? The reason the Avs haven't been good since 2005 is because they've been shortchanging these rebuilds. It's we get a little bit of traction and let's go win it all now. A little bit of traction, there's people back in the building, let's go win it all now. You're on the right path. You you saw earlier this season what your group is capable of doing. Write it out. If you can get some additional middle six scoring for mid-range prospects, you know, you've got an uh, you know, extra top 100 pick from from Ottawa. If you want to use that, if you want to use some mid-level prospects, yeah, do that and see if that can help just just get you in just so that you can have your guys going back to the playoffs back-to-back years but don't go give up anything as a desperation move to get in and and set yourself further back again you don't need to do that you're not in a situation that you need to be putting your organization's future on the line uh, in order to be do it in order to, to do it if it's a move that makes sense now and in the future fine look at it if not make the small tweaks Get to the summer, use some of your cap space, get some of your guys re-signed, have Kale McCarr jump into the lineup. You're hoping Connor Timmons is coming next year. You hope Martin Kaut is coming next year. You hope Tyson Jost is coming next year. I'm, I'm you know, I'll say that they'll probably end up keeping him up in Loveland for, for a, a good stretch here. And, and so you hope he comes back revitalized, finally ready to step into the NHL. You've got Pavel Francouz, who was back on the ice today, who you're feeling really, really great about. Not as great as Edmonton's three-year, 3.75 no-trade deal to the other KHL goalie that came over this year. But to me, that's a guy that you can go put on a, a multi-year deal after this season for uh, you know, a million and a half, and, and that's a nice goaltender option in the back pocket uh so you've got a lot of things coming you've got some cap space this summer you can go out and spend a little bit after you get your guys re-signed uh you can go out and spend you can you can at that time you know you can look into moving Tyson Barry for that that additional scoring help if, if you know Kale McCarr stepping into your lineup next season uh I'm all with Joe hold out till the end of the season, see what you've got, see if these guys can turn it around, don't go get silly in the goaltending market, uh, it's not going to do you much good. I, I think if you're trying to solve the goaltending problem, you, you give Pavel Francouz a start. Even if it doesn't go great for him, uh, to me that's a wake-up call for Varley and Grubauer. And your best case scenario is you get him on a Carter Hut or Carter Hart esque run of hey I'm a new goalie no one knows anything about me yet so I'm gonna stop a bunch of pucks for ten games and get this team going back in the right direction so we'll see we'll see what happens but I agree with Joe 
stay the course, keep doing what you're doing. And, and, and it is greener pastures ahead. And I know people don't want to hear that. And I know people are hating me for saying that, but that's the reality of sports. There isn't a quick fix in pro sports, at least not a sustainable one. You've got to look at this team in the sense of, for the most part, they're playing well. Advanced statistics suggest that this ship will will course correct. You don't know when it's going to be. You hope it'll be in time. You hope it'll be tomorrow against the, the Washington Capitals. But you don't know. And again, you go back to 13-14, all the numbers said the ship will course correct in the opposite direction, and it did in the playoffs and then the next season. So uh, I'm not punting on this season. I think they need to be doing what they can to get into the playoffs. I said earlier on this show, it's a failure if they don't get into the playoffs or if they don't at least get back to 95 points and just get beat out by a team that got 98 and and it was a crazy playoff year. Anything less than that is is embarrassing. I agree with what Joe said in that it's not coaching. I think Jared Bednar is, is the the right guy to be behind the wheel. But uh, you got to keep doing what you're doing on the ice and you got to hope that that your goaltending catches up to what has been some solid play. And I think if you're Sackick, you look to add around the fringes before the trade deadline, or if this goes totally sideways, you sell off uh, your expiring contracts and, and you stock up on picks and, and prospects. But unless it's a deal, you know, a Mark Stone, a Sean Couturier, that is going to make you better long-term, you don't do it. You wait till the summer. You'll be more comfortable moving a Barry or a Johnson because you'll know what you've got coming into the lineup. Uh, you know, you might be more comfortable moving a Kerfoot or a Comfort because you know you've got Kout coming. Uh, you might be more comfortable moving a Jost because you know you've got Bowers coming. All these right now are just uh, unknowns. And you'll have a little bit more information at that uh, at that time. So... That's it. That's all I've got for today. So we're going to go ahead and jump out of here. We'll be back at it tomorrow. We got Avs caps. I don't even know. Uh, I believe AD is heading out east. I don't know. They don't tell me things anymore. For no one but myself, I'm Jesse Montano. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Thank you guys so much for listening.